0: Alright everyone, welcome to another awesome episode here at the Crypto 101 Podcast. I'm your host, Pizza Mind, today recording from a bunker uh, somewhere near an Air Force Base, prepared for what may be one of the wildest weeks of our life. And I am joined here by a veteran of wild weeks, uh, having one himself over there in France. I'd like to introduce everyone to Arnaud Castillo, CEO and founder of CrunchDAO. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, thank you, for, uh, Aaron, to, to for the invitation. It's our pleasure to have you. You're a veteran in this financial game and the financial collapse game as well. Uh, you've been in TradFi for a long, long time before coming over to the crypto space. Um, let's start with the world at large before we get into Crunchdown. We're recording this right now on Monday, March 20th. We just had Credit Suisse bought over the weekend by UBS without the vote of their shareholders. Um, and this is happening in Switzerland, of all places, not, you know, the Seychelles or something. What is going on in the banking world right now, Arno, from your vantage
1: point? Um, so uh, I would say that uh, Credit Suisse is a very special situation that has been lasting for a long time. I think it's not uh, new that they are having little difficulties. Well, I feel, it feels like they have been in all the bad, uh, the bad uh, trades. Uh, we remember Archegos, for example, um, and basically uh, with what happened with uh, Silicon uh, Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, people got a little bit scared, obviously. You know, from what was happening, and uh, when people start to pull out uh, their funds uh, in a situation where the bank is already in a difficult situation and where trust uh, is lost somehow. Uh, it gets very difficult. And uh, I think that's probably the best solution that uh, UBS buys uh, uh, Credit Suisse.
0: By one way or another. So you were around in Trad 5 for the 2008 collapse. Are you seeing any similarities between now and then? Or uh, are we still a long way off from things getting that bad?
1: Well, so... If you recall, two thousand eight, uh, it was really, really, really worse. I mean, for me, uh, uh, that, that's my impression. Uh, th- there was a total. Uh, uh, it was a total disaster. What was happening with subprime and the level of exposure of banks like Lehman Brothers, obviously, but others also. And uh, I remember in that time, in two thousand eight, everybody was thinking of, oh, you know, I have a, a, a I have a. An insurance for my uh, deposit up to, depending on the country, some countries $100,000, in other countries $250,000, and people were starting to think, you know, what do they have to do with their with their with their cash? Whether they have to open several bank accounts and just to save what they but they could save, and it was really disastrous. Uh, I think here it's uh it's a special situation, I would say. Um, hopefully, it's not going to last too long. Uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank situation. Uh, for me it's it's basically a problem of the regulation actually and the problem of the accounting of the um of the assets uh sitting on the balance sheet. Uh which made the thing actually not looking too good. And it's funny, but I had, you know, messages on my telegram from VCs telling me if I have funds at SVB I should pull them out, you know. So basically if everybody's doing that and I think it's like something like forty billion dollars want uh uh, Where we're actually taken out in two days? I mean, I don't think a lot of banks, uh, especially a small, quote, uh, like a small banks. It was sixteen banks, I think, in the U.S. So it's uh, not too small, but given the size, forty billion of, of assets, uh, probably it's like forty percent of the assets of the bank. I mean, you, you can, they cannot handle that, for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to have to wait and see what else happens this week. It's going to be uh, something we're going to be glued to Twitter. 24-7. Um, but in the meantime, let's talk about your story. Uh, what motivated you to come over to crypto and leave the prestigious world of banking behind? Like you were with some of the top companies. You're a guy who knows what he's doing. What was it that attracted you to the crypto space? And why did you decide to f- be a founder of CrunchDAO?
1: So I, I didn't go directly from banking to, uh, to crypto. I basically work in in, in finance at uh, Lehman Brothers, Deutsche Bank, uh, and then after starting in 2000, I was an entrepreneur uh, in the internet businesses and the insurance businesses. Uh, and, and I when after after selling my my exiting my second business, I decided I wanted to come back to finance, uh, and I really was uh, really interested in the the idea of of crowdsourcing research. Um, and this is how I came out with uh, CrunchDAO, the idea to have a, a community of data scientists uh, that can work together uh, to power hedge funds. Uh, I thought it was really um, th- that was the future of, of even uh, you know, I- investment uh, management, uh, because if you want to use AI, I was using a lot of AI in my previous uh, startup and in insurance business where AI is very powerful, but it's very different from AI in finance. But I figured out, you know, using AI uh, somehow to get uh, valuation of companies uh, was really powerful. And so I thought this was the, the route uh, for the future investment management.
0: That's awesome. I remember seeing a movie called Pi when I was younger, P.I. Yeah, yeah, it was about <laughs> a guy who was, you know, basically living in a dark room for months at a time, yeah. trying to figure out how to predict the stock market. Uh, a great movie yeah. if, any of our listeners haven't seen it. Is that kind of what CrunchDAO is? And how successful are these algorithms that the data scientists are coming up with?
1: So, yeah, I, this movie is is fantastic. It's in black and white. I think I don't recall the name of the um, uh, of, of the, the, the guy who made the movie, but I think it's a very famous guy. Probably you, you can find it. Uh, and Pi, you can, it's not easy to find it, actually, I think, to be to able to see it. I think you really have to, to search a little bit but it's a fantastic movie uh and yes the guy gets lit nuts uh working with figures and data and crunching <laughs> data in, in all all um in different uh, ways um yeah that's probably uh, a lot of what we do um because it's not easy you know to figure out what's happening in the market and we have uh we have we're using basically risk models uh so I, I don't know if you want me to to get technical but we believe that we can see uh a pattern in the market, uh, and the idea is to say, okay, since we can see pattern in the market, now can we look at the history of uh, 10 years' history and, and look at all the stocks in the universe, let's say uh, the top uh, 1,000 or 2,000 stocks, uh, like the Russell 2000, more or less, and can we find patterns that we can actually, uh, uh, actually predict for the future? And then we can probably uh, use machine learning to look, to, to identify pattern and, and then to be able to, to give predictions. And that's extremely powerful. But you need to do a lot of work on the data because it's not that simple. Uh, I was talking about the insurance business before. Insurance business, it's very simple. You have, a, a, if you look at the risk, I mean, you have different variables and the variables give you an exposure to a certain risk. That's pretty straightforward. And it's, uh, uh, it, it's just looking at different people at different risk and, and that's, Quite straightforward. Uh, in in finance, basically everything is moving. We, you talk about the collapse of Lehman Brothers in 2008. Well, the data scientist who is looking at uh, his uh, data set in 2008 didn't have this information before. It never happened before. Subprime crisis never happened before. So you could, so it was difficult to to know whether your model would go through this this uh, this uh, crisis. And same thing with uh, with COVID price uh, COVID crisis. And uh, another one is the uh, recent uh, interest uh, increase. You know, it's, it's uh, something new. It's a new environment, new regime. And it's, that's the, 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 the difficulty of, this, of it, of the size, is to find out whether you have a model that is strong enough to be able to identify what is happening today and, and how you should value stocks uh, relative to each other uh, in the market.
0: There are a couple of assumptions that I personally make when trying to analyze stuff like this. One assumption I make is that Wyckoff market cycles still hold true today, and the other assumption is the chart is the only source of truth. If you listen to all the news and narrative out there, uh, it's kind of like life imitating art, the art being the candles on the charts of actual decisions being made across the world about certain assets or asset classes or the markets themselves. Um, Do you find that these assumptions hold true in your research? Or is there a better way of looking at things?
1: Um, So the chart is one of the um, of the driving forces of the market. Okay. Um, uh, Simply put, it we we just uh, call it momentum. Uh, That's the main one. For example, that we would uh, we would uh, call. Um, Basically, it's the idea is that if you look at the last, uh, if you look at any period, any cross section, any 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 months, and you look at the. historical uh performance you look you find out that the the, the stocks that have done uh better momentum wise which is looking over over the last uh, say 12 months I've've have, have been performing better uh, next month than the stock that had a negative momentum so that would be like a, a trend following strategy and that that does work actually okay and that has worked a lot for a long time uh, not every time sometimes there is a, it doesn't work but it, it works over the long run uh, but there are many other things that are more um, fundamental, you know, like uh, you know what the what the growth of the company is, or what the return on capital is, and all these ratios. Uh, looking more at cash flows and and return capital is very important also, um, and, and because any asset uh, is also a matter of you know the, the, the any asset is is a, is a you have to look at the return and the risk uh, the risk is also very important obviously so the higher the balance sheet the higher the debt the higher the interest expense basically the probably the lower the valuation in in front of this stock so we try to have this this all these metrics and from these metrics uh, so it can be fundamental analysis alternative analysis uh, as you said um chart analysis a, a, any kind of uh, um, RSI or moving average i mean there are many uh we can use that uh, to get what we call the data set and which gives us a, a part in the market.
2: Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the UFI video lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's EUFY Video Lock, or visit UFEOfficial.com slash Video Lock. Again, that's EUFY Video Lock. VideoLock, Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door.
3: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.
4: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
0: How can we apply some of these philosophies to crypto trading where there isn't any cash flows for the most part? um, And it's a little bit more challenging to find assets that are mispriced or when they're the price is going to be um, corrected, I should say. How do you look at risk in the crypto markets?
1: So uh, today we're not we're only focusing on the equity market, but we, are, we have a plan to, to at some point uh, look into the, the crypto market and uh, to apply the same methodology. The problem, as you put it, is that you don't have the same metrics, but you have a lot of things. I mean, we've been looking into, you know, that you can look into sentiment analysis. On crypto that's that's one way uh, you can look at what the whales are doing you can look at the order book uh, you can look at what's happening on the on the uh, on the exchanges central exchange or decentralized or, or, or decks uh, but we have also another approach that we can use uh, and what the quants are doing is from the the return in the different uh, crypto to try to find patterns by creating what we call statistical uh, factors so it's the idea is to make a projection of the return of the of, of the um of the of the coins to make a projection of this onto several factors and try to find out how they replicate over time or do they mean revert or whatever the, whatever happens to these uh, returns so we can apply some some the same concept that we've been using in in traditional finance we can use it on crypto how has
0: ai been maturing over the years in your application. I know everyone's talking about chat GPT now and how special that is, but there's more advanced AI that's already out there and of course a lot less as well. How are you using it at this time? Is it allowed to actually make decisions and executions for you or just recommendations?
1: No, yeah. So AI is really the the core of what we do uh, today. Uh, and it's not new. And I mean, yes, ChatGPT. We, we're talking about it a lot today, and it's fantastic what it's uh, proposing. Uh, I mean, you can use it; it's it's really amazing. And but AI in finance has been here for a long time, uh, and it's improving uh, every uh, every day. If you look at all the research paper for the last thirty years or forty years, I mean, there is uh it's not AI at the beginning. At the beginning, it was very simple uh, linear regressions that we were doing when people started to talk about the capital asset pricing model and stuff like that. Uh, but over the years, AI has been uh, extremely powerful uh, because you can obviously uh, look at more more data, make more tests. The computer is, and, and GPU is, is much more powerful, so... It, it allows to, to find what we call actually non-linearities. It, it means like it's, it's what the linear model didn't find uh, because the linear model is like the traditional uh, and the historical of, uh, of, of, uh, of financial theory. And, and we say, okay, there is the linear uh, correlation, but now with the machine learning uh, tools, we can find something which is in the data, which is non-linear, and that can also help us uh, you know, make trades uh, on the market.
0: One thing that I often warn our listeners against is signing up for some of these trading bots in crypto. Uh, And there's many of them out there. Some of them say they're powered by AI. Some of them you have to put in your own indicators. But I feel like, especially in the crypto markets, where there is so much less uh, data to go by, less information to see if an asset is mispriced or not compared to other things, um, it just seems a little bit too risky to take on. What is your opinion on retail uh ai bots and plugins and things like that
1: well you had a lot of projects um, for example in in the in the equity world you had uh quantopian and today you have QuantConnect. Uh, there are tools where retail can go into um like quant connect today you can go into and you can put some ratios put some charts uh, indicators and say, OK, whenever the RSI is here or whenever the moving average is crossing this other one, you can place a trade and you can backtest uh, and you can see if it works in the past. And that's kind of the problem that I would um, I would tell to retail investors. The problem is looking at, uh, you know, testing a strategy on, on the history doesn't mean it's going to work tomorrow. Uh, so if you if you develop something like that, you use a, a, a bot, that's fine. Uh, you, you can develop some nice strategies, but before trading it, you should wait. And that's what actually investors, big investors, do. They wait for two and a half years. They call it out of sample uh, to to see if the strategy that they developed on the data they've seen it would whether it would work after or not. So the idea is that it's great to be able to use tools to develop uh, trading strategies, but then I would say before trading it uh, live, I would. St- st- trade you know like paper trade for for like two and a half years
0: yeah that's pretty good advice um and in crypto it might even be longer since you know we've got these bitcoin having cycles that seem to drive different market conditions and what's going to work in the bull market is going to be completely different from a sideways accumulation phase as well so i think that's important for crypto traders listening to know also when you're back testing, you need to back test in the environment that you're currently in. If you're trying to make those active trades, um, what kind of hedge funds or you know big firms are using AI trading on their desks right now? If you know Credit Suisse had AI, would they be in a better position than they unfortunately are in now? What's your take?
1: Um. For Credit Suisse, I don't cannot tell you, you know, but um, that's the, the the these guys actually. I think that the uh, traditional uh, Swiss bank uh, asset managers they are looking about. Uh, they're trying to to, they should be, <laughs> that's what I assume at least. They should be taking low risk investment because they need to have clients, and basically the clients, you know, they are very, they uh, they they are like family offices and probably very wealthy. Uh, Worthy uh, individuals—they—they're uh, happy to have a return of six or seven percent per year. I mean, that's that's actually pretty pretty good. So they should not be uh, here taking a lot of risk. But somehow um, they've been pushed uh, to, to to take risk, uh, and that's a pity. Um,
0: Speaking of risk, you know that seems to be the main message that the SEC is sending to American companies: is they need to disclose risk to the average person, and. You know whether it's you know some giant seventy page prospectus that no one's gonna read or just a simple disclosure saying that you can lose money. Uh, I'm not really sure what they're looking for, and I don't think they're sure either. Can you give us kind of a bullet list of different risks that we need to look for before making an investment or a trade? Whether it's duration risk, platform risk. I mean there's the list keeps going on and on uh, the deeper down the rabbit hole you get.
1: Are you talking about crypto investment?
0: Uh, Or even just trading, you know, what are some of the risks that you need to be aware of?
1: Yeah, that's a a complicated question, because if you look at any uh, prospectus or annual report, you have the uh, management management discussion and analysis where they list all the risks. So that's probably some some place to start. You can go to the, for equity, you can go to the sec.gov and you take any 10K, 10Q, actually it will be 10K, the annual report. And you have a, they, they have to disclose the risk. And on each risk, you have to find out whether it's really a standard risk that any annual report would have or whether it's uh, specific to this company. And then you have to ask yourself, well, is this a risk I want to take? And another thing which is interesting is to look at the change from one year to another. Because when the management is facing a, a new um, difficulty in their business, they will add a new risk factor that was not there before. There was actually a, a teacher from uh, Harvard who studied this with a i actually he looked all the changes in annual report from one year to the other, and he was saying that he was he was calling this the uh the lazy uh feature because usually they they copy and paste from one year to the other the risk factors, so it's like they are lazy because it's the Lazy quote. I mean, it's the um, the advisor is just uh, you know preparing the legal advisor is preparing the uh, the annual report from one year to the other on this part actually on this part of the annual report. But the, when they change it and they had something new, a new risk factor, he figured out that actually it was always uh, a sign that the stock was going to go down. Uh, obviously, because more risk is is as a, a higher risk as a as an impact on return. You know, higher risk, lower return. So that, that's how I would start with this, with the annual report. And it's uh, available at the SEC.gov for the year. And for the crypto, uh, it's more complex. You know, I was talking this weekend with an investor. He said that when he wants to invest in a, in a, in a token, he he's having some guys to make a audit of the smart contract. Uh, and sometimes he finds problems. And that's the, an issue because, yeah, it's great because everything is on chain and you can figure out, I mean, it's here, you can read it, you know. But I mean, not everybody, not all the investors who invest in, in crypto will will have the skills uh, to go through the smart contract and find out that there is a problem at some point in the smart contract that they can get the funds out of the smart contract or whatever. Uh, so it's, it's, I think it's more complex.
0: Um, yeah, I think that's a great point as well. You know, we just saw uh, Euler Finance hacked for almost $200 million. They've had six audits. On their platform that were passed but they made one little update since and that's what got them so if you're a a big investor you know you could spend a few thousand dollars to get a current audit before placing a position but uh, the rest of us don't have those kinds of features and then you've got to think about your own opsec security and risk you know where what kind of wallet are you holding this in What what else are you doing with this wallet are you trying to mint random nfts and trade on DEXs you've never heard of, and you're granting permission for these things to access tokens in your wallet, or maybe you don't even know, but you're not getting the right kinds of warning messages. There's that risk as well. Um, but
1: I think actually, uh, you know, the, maybe the best, because as you said, you know, a, a retail investor will not be able to read the smart contracts of all the tokens he wants to buy. So maybe one way to reduce the risk is to uh, is diversification, maybe. you know, so It's just very simple.
0: Yeah, I think that is the most simple way to approach risk is don't have any one single point of failure anywhere in your portfolio, whether it's exchange, token, wallet, where you're storing your seed phrases, anything. And there's still so much upside in the crypto industry. Even if you do take a a big hit, uh, chances are you'll make it up in the next bull run if you're holding some quality stuff and doing good research and things like that. Speaking of good research, how can we access CrunchDAO and participate and learn some of the knowledge and wisdom from these amazing data scientists?
1: So we, we, there's one thing that we're doing. There's one uh, framework that we've developed, which is called uh, CrunchDSI, which is a decentralized science. And it's the beginning. But on this platform, we want to share uh, most of the research that we do. It's, it's like open source research, but it's even a little bit more. Because any data scientist or any researcher, PhD, can come up, uh, read the paper, and and propose changes like you would do in in coding with GitHub. And we do it with IPFS. So somebody would uh, propose some changes. We would vote on the changes uh, with the token. And then if the change is accepted, then we will see it. And uh, it will be immutable. We will see it over time. And if a change is refused, uh, rejected, we will also see it. So we know why we rejected something. So that's a great thing. And we're sharing a lot of what we do. Um, Basically, we've done uh, some presentation, um, machine learning presentation. uh, Recently, you can find them on either on Twitter or on Discord channel that we have. uh, And also then on this DSI framework that we've developed.
0: I love that. Um, I've been dreaming of contributing to the D space for a couple years now. And it seems like it's finally the right time to jump in. Uh, it's a great community. What do you think the real potential of the whole D space could be?
1: So, it, you know, the, the thing is that when you, I mean, we, in our case, because we do a lot of research, we start the research looking at uh, basically the research paper that have been done in the past. In finance, you have so many research papers uh, that, that there's always something to learn. But we found it very difficult to um, apply this research. I mean, we try to, we, we see a fantastic uh, research paper on the subject that is really keen for us. And when we try to replicate, we find it extremely difficult to get exactly the same data as the guys used. Uh, make exactly the same uh, uh, spreadsheet and to make calculations and to get to the same result. Uh, and even sometimes we feel that the results uh, are, are not uh, actually, as you said it before, sometimes it's overfitted. I mean, th- you find a solution that works, but if you change a little bit the, the parameters, then it doesn't work anymore. doesn't stand anymore. And so for us, it's very important, and that's why we want to make this decide framework. It's important for us to say, okay, Let's do research and let's share it. And this is true fi- with finance because we can share the data, some data. Uh, we can have also spread some some code, like some uh, spreadsheets that we do and, and ask people to... To tell us what is wrong in what we do, we want to learn. If we do something wrong, we're happy that somebody comes and says, "Hey, that's wrong." We're gonna win you know, probably one year of research, <clears throat> so that's good for us. But in any other industry, you will have this really helpful. Also, you know, in the medical industry, uh, biotech industry, we think that, uh, that it's pretty useful. Now, there's a a drawback on this that, and probably that's why the research paper that you have online doesn't tell you everything because somebody who's doing research he wants to keep his IP also. Um, so, there's a that, that's this issue where if you want to keep the IP, you don't want to share everything totally, you don't want to be totally transparent. Um, but we still think that uh, probably, you know, 80% of the research that is done could be shared and, and a beneficiary and a beneficiary to, to everybody.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a huge leap forward uh, for mankind and it can't be understated yeah. enough. So, Really excited to see what else continues to grow out of that space. And it's amazing that you guys are doing that. So thank you so much. Uh, before we let you go, just a, fir- a few further questions. Um, who's someone that you really admire in this crypto space since you've been on your journey here?
1: So, yeah, for me, it would be uh, Vitalik Buterin uh, because he, I mean, he created the Ethereum. I'm more at ease with Ethereum than Bitcoin. Uh, you I, know, as a traditional banker at the, at the beginning I was uh, I did not see the value of Bitcoin. I can see it now today you know with what is happening with, with the banks uh, SVB problem and, and, and Credit Suisse and uh, I mean I can see the interest to have it to have you know uh, Bitcoin uh, but it took me a long time you know uh, but for Ethereum I mean this is really uh, it's been great from the very first day when I saw that you could put a, a smart contract online and that everybody could execute it and that it's, it was uh, totally transparent. I found it really fantastic. Uh, and the guy did this very young. He even dropped off, uh, dropped out his, his university to do this business. So I found it, the, the guy is really impressive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the most common answers. Vitalik has a ton of fans on here. We got to get oh. him on the show <laughs> at some point. So he has really contributed to this space. Uh, pretty much just as much as Satoshi at this point, if not more. I know that's going to get me some heat from people, but I don't care. Um, and lastly, before we go, what's one company that you think is going to have the greatest impact on the crypto space going forward?
1: Um, CrunchDAO. <laughs> Love
0: it. All right. Well, we're definitely going to have to keep our eyes over there and continue reading your research. Uh, and thank you so much. If people want to continue to follow you and CrunchDAO, where should they go?
1: Uh, They can go on the website, crunchdow.com, but they can go into the Discord. Um, Our Discord, you can find it on the website and and, and follow us on Twitter, crunchdow also.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll be back next week uh, with another great guest here at the Crypto 101 podcast. Thanks, everyone.